0: What is up, everybody? This is Dave Schmidt, the host of the Lasting Learning Podcast. Super pumped that you are here on this podcast. We talk about game changers, we talk to life changers, we talk about things that really matter. So sit back, listen up, and enjoy Lasting Learning. everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Lasting Learning Podcast. Um, this week is is going to be a good, good week because um, first of all, I've got an amazing guest on here with us. Um, somebody who I look up to um, for a, a lot of reasons and I, I'm, I'm sure he has no idea the impact he's had on me professionally and personally, um, but he's going to find out today. Um, is a guy that. Um, I, I don't even know if he remembers the first time we met, but I'll throw that out there. Um at an AMLE conference uh, three-ish years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was presenting and just completely blew me away. And then ever since then, he hasn't been able to shake me from his social media as much as he's tried. Um, <laughs> I've just really tried to, to latch on to everything he stands for as a professional and as a person. Um, and I, I relate with him and so many levels. So I thought that this week I would bring Quinn Rollins on to, to be with us today um, to talk about what it's like to, to live in his world, to do what he does, to, to be him and to, to just shed some wisdom on us. Some of you know him as the play like a pirate guy or the rubber ducky man or the guy <laughs> from Utah that, um shares all the political cartoons. Who knows what you know him as, but um, I'm just super, super excited to have you here with us, Quinn.
1: Thank you. I'm I'm happy to be here. And yeah, I I remember AMLE, <laughs> Austin, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I I remember it
0: well. Very cool, very cool. So so Quinn, for those that don't know you and that my introduction didn't necessarily sum it all up, can you mm-hmm. just tell people who you are? Um, maybe a little bit about your journey. Um, maybe starting professionally, and then we'll go from there.
1: Okay, sure. So I. Uh, I am a history teacher. I'm in Salt Lake City and I uh I taught middle school for 10 years and then I lost my soul for a while in our school district office for uh about 6 years and then last year I came back to uh I'm teaching high school now uh teaching juniors and uh I really love it. It's uh I I feel like it's where I'm supposed to be, which is going to cross over into personal stuff too, but um, yeah, love teaching. Uh, I'm a believer in finding ways to engage students that uh, they might not be getting in their other classes and uh, in using your personal passions to, to teach. So if you love music use music if you love running use running if you love binge watching netflix use something else but yeah if you love lego use lego
0: if you love play-doh use play-doh <laughs> right
1: yeah and then so and that's and that's me is i use like lego and action figures and graphic novels and uh, a lot of pop culture things that have meant a lot to me and uh happen to reach a lot of kids so it's uh it's it's good
0: absolutely so you know i I talk about how i I first really got to to see you and experience the magic of quinn um down in (laughs) austin and austin if for those people that are from austin i apologize if you've never been to austin it is this weird quirky place um lots of craziness but also it's pretty cool eclectic little place and that kind of describes you too. I mean, you you're kind of like this cool <laughs> eclectic guy who um kind of thinks outside of the box, outside <laughs> of the norm, but you're like oh, you seem to always be having fun with what you're doing. At, at least that's what it seems like. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and you know, you wrote that book, Play Like a Pirate. Um, came out like three years ago, I think, mm-hmm. twenty sixteen. Um yep. can you just really quickly talk to us about that journey? How how you came about like writing a book with Dave Burgess? you were one of the first people that really Jumped on board the the DBC <laughs> group. So where did that come from?
1: Yeah, so I uh, I was presenting at a national social studies conference in uh, St. Louis, probably 2014, 2015. and I was explaining some of these ideas that I have. And uh, because I'm a Twitter addict, uh, I had you know tweeted out, "Hey, come see my presentation." And um, enough. People did and started sort of talking about it that Dave came and saw the the rest of my presentation and uh am that he, he liked what he saw and he saw something that he thought might make a, a book and so we talked about it it, it was like a year later um, at another social studies conference we talked about it and uh, And figured it out, and thank goodness uh, he has a great editor that works with him because, uh, yeah, it it takes me a long time to write a book. It turns out. So, you
0: know, you know, I've talked to Dave Burgess quite a bit as well, and I think one of the pieces of advice I'm sure he told you is, you don't write a book just to write a book. You know, take you've already got this presentation that you do. Just basically use that presentation as your guide. Use turn the presentation into a book. Right. That book in a way becomes like your business card, if you will, or right. like a, a rock band today. It would be like their album that they sell, but it brings people to the concert, you know, but it's right. the concert that brings that connection to people. And that, I'll be honest with you, that's what resonated with me. I, I saw you in person first
2: mm-hmm. and
0: connected and said, oh, that's that's a guy right there that's got to figure it out. And then I went and, and got the book and the book was like that nice little supplement that I use on the, the back shelf that I pass out to people and, right. yeah, but it's, it's you as the person um, that really resonated with me. So I, I kind of like took that, that shift a little bit and talk about you as a person, because you opened up the door a little bit. Uh-huh. You said that, uh, you kind of lost your soul for six years at yeah. the, the district's level. Um, I'm a guy right now, I'm working at the district level uh-huh. <laughs> and it gets isolating. It gets lonely. Sometimes you feel like you're playing the game and, yep. uh, you get lost in that bureaucracy. So talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so for me, um, first of all, I have to say our, our district is lovely, and I like the people there, and I respect the people I worked with, and uh, for the first few years, I, I really liked and, and loved what I was doing. I got to work with a lot of teachers, and, and it was good, but from the very first day I was there, I missed, uh, missed the students, missed the kids. Um, I don't feel like I got into education to sit in meetings. If that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. makes sense, isn't offensive until the next meeting? Yeah, my 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 doodling game really went up, but it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so I didn't start teaching until I was until I was thirty, and it was uh, it was sort of a long journey of trying different careers and seeing that I just wasn't happy over and over again. And uh, coming back to every time I was teaching, every time I was working with kids, I, I was happy. And so uh, sort of weighed finances versus happiness and decided to go the happiness route. And uh, so that self-knowledge and self-fulfillment and, and finding a reason, a way to be happy is a lot of what led me to teaching in the first place. And uh, I lost some of that when I went into, when I left the classroom, and that is about the same time that some of my unknown to me family mental health history sort of came to a head, and that has been about eight years ago now, and uh, went into my first serious depressions, and uh, yeah, all sorts of stuff, and we can talk about as much of that as we want to but uh it 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 took i have been happier in the last two years or so like going back into the classroom making some other changes than uh, than in a while and Um, that's mm -hmm. it's sort of hard to say that because i i i want to be the happy guy i want to be the person that people think of and like oh like lego and rubber ducky and blah fun that's who I am but I'm also you know sometimes life sucks even for happy people
0: yeah and and, you know when I first reached out to you just so everybody knows um, I mentioned that this is kind of some of the stuff that I wanted to to talk about because um, on that personal level I mean I I relate (laughs) with this in a very strong way Um, you know I I don't think anybody that went into education went into education for money fame or notoriety if they right. did they were they were one of those <laughs> that left very very early yeah. there, you have stayed in it for a couple of decades um right and yet somehow roads starts intersecting and you reach those pivot points and you start climbing the ladder and and things just start happening so let me just talk about me for example mm-hmm. I started quickly climbing the ladder um and as a result started trying to present this persona that was me but it was the me that i wanted people to see it was that um i shared with the the world but it wasn't necessarily the me who was inside um and i I kept a lot of that stuff hidden and i still do keep some of that stuff hidden Um, as i as i look at at you you know and I, i i told you that i do some some social media cyber stalking of you and you're probably well aware of that. <laughs> um, if, if you were to look at like your Twitter game or your Instagram game or whatever, um, there's this market difference, I would say just in the last two or three years where there's now more of an openness and a willingness to share some of that.
2: Yeah. If,
0: you know, I, right before we came on, I was just looking at your, your book reviews on Amazon and you've got like 45 five-star reviews of this book, and people just say these incredible, incredible things about you, um, about your your work, your knowledge, um, your rubber ducky, like everything. <laughs> and just, like it, it would just. Some people would look at that and say, "Wow, that's just got to make him feel so good all the time." And you know, and, and I, I I look at that because I've had some conversations with people, and I've started to open up and tell them about some of the stuff inside of me. And I say, "I don't understand. Like it seems on the surface like things are going well." And I, sometimes I struggle to explain that to them. Like right surface, it looks so great, but inside you wrestle. So how, mm-hmm.
1: how, how, do, you, how do you explain that to people that don't, don't quite get it? So I, I really think, and I, I don't know what, um, so my, my path through all of that has been, so I, I was diagnosed, eight years ago with uh, bipolar 2 the sequel the better one <laughs> than uh then it's it's not as severe as bipolar one yeah. and uh and i had elements of that going back into my 20s maybe even into my teens and like the the ups with that kind of a mental health issue are pretty great. Like you don't have to sleep ever and you like customize 742 Fisher Price little people. And then you're like, oh, there's medication for this. Um, but but the downs were bad and they were getting worse. Mm-hmm. And uh and I think it was the the change in career that sort of took the bottom out of that and made things worse. And up until then, um, if somebody had told me they were depressed or they struggled with depression, then I would be like, oh yeah, I, I have bad days too. I get bummed out. Yeah. Sadness is sad, but, uh, it, it was only after really meeting depression for the first time that I was like, Wow. Okay. So this is what it is. It's not just sadness. It's also a lack of motivation. It's also um, just you, you know you you kind of feel like you've lost everything, even though, like you said, on the surface things are great. And mm-hmm. and I look at my life eight years ago, and it's like you know have great family, uh, sons who I know love me, um, but you don't feel. That. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I first started going into trying to find out what was wrong with me, one of my friends who struggled with depression himself said that a doctor di- or, uh, prescribed a dog for him. And so, you know, that's when uh, I got a dog again for the first time since I was a kid. And that dog, probably there were times that he saved. If saving my life is an overstatement, he saved me a lot of pain because it was like that unconditional love, which I also had from other people in my life, but couldn't see it. Like dogs, like it, it broke through, and it's like, oh, this this needs me, and I need it. Him, he's my friend. He's lucky. He's right over there sleeping. But um, it's a. It's really hard to explain to somebody who hasn't been through it, but I do think once you have been through it, you have that empathy and you have that compassion and it's kind of on you to, when you see somebody going through it, to be there for them. And if, if it's somebody who hasn't been through it and they're like, oh yeah, I'm sad too. I don't know how how easy it is to make them understand what it's like, because until you've been through it yourself, it's awfully hard to empathize. You can be kind and you can be sympathetic, but you don't, I don't know. It's one of those things you, I don't think you know what it's like until you go through it. Yeah. And I don't want you to go through it. Those of you watching or listening, you know, don't,
0: yeah. Absolutely. don't, don't I don't
1: wish that on you. So
0: it's going to be a, a very crude and probably inappropriate, metaphor to go along with that but in my prior job so obviously i'm a, a white middle-aged guy but my last job i worked in the inner city where 90 percent of my student population was african-american and i heard often you you don't understand and i would tell them no i get it i'm down here i i, I drive into your neighborhood and they say yeah but you don't live here you don't right. understand I, I appreciate you trying to to support us i appreciate you trying to to get to know us um until you live it you don't understand yeah. it. And, and and that's kind of what I'm hearing like yeah hey, good I, I, be empathetic be supportive but sometimes you you have to have some of your own <laughs> if you will to, to lean on Right, been there and walk the walk
1: yeah I, I yeah I, I do um, the, the other thing that I think with mental health and, and I don't know how much time we want to spend on this but I think that it's something I, over the last two or three years, I have been more open about it and more more likely to talk about it and and to the point of oversharing because that's what I do. but i uh it it wasn't until going to my parents and telling them, "Hey, I just got diagnosed with this, and we're looking at medication, and things have been really bad, really dark uh it wasn't until then that they said oh well this is a problem that your two uncles have had and this is you know when so and so died they died in a mental hospital like 50 years ago and we have this long family history of of trying to deal with this disease and if it had been cancer or heart disease or diabetes it's like we would all know about it because my parents overshare all of their ailments." But not, but not when it comes to mental health. And I think that if more people were open about it, it's like you, you could find those allies, you could find people who, who have been there and they might be hiding it, they might be covering it up. Like I can, I can put up a mask really well that, that says, you know, I'm fine, but there are times you're not. And I think it's, it's important to let other people know there are times that you're not.
0: It's so good. So good. And I'm going to, again, I'm personalizing everything you say. So I I apologize to those people that are listening to this and, (laughs) and kind of like um, that can't necessarily relate, but I'm truly internalizing and personalizing this because there's so much of what you said that resonates with me. Um, You know, I, I did cover it up and I, I tried to not, not just mask it, but tried to hide it from myself because Mm -hmm. I was afraid that when I start opening up and going to a therapist, that means I'm crazy. When they put me on medication, that means, oh, oh my gosh, I've got a label now. And I, I didn't want to admit that to myself. So right. I did everything in my power to overcompensate and would be that cocky, arrogant SOB that just offended everybody because I wanted to put up that front. You?
1: I don't see that with
0: you. That's,
1: <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm kind of excited. That's like, alternate universe Dave. that's <laughs>
0: no it's, it's trust me there are people listening saying yeah uh, brief, I can turn off I already know this um, Right. it's a uh, and it literally it's been over the last year um, where I've come to grips with and I, I've got an issue and as a result of this issue I've, I've I've plowed people over in my my quest to try to cover things up you know right um, and like you I'm now to that point now where people are accusing me of oversharing. And I've 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 had people come to me and say, you know, you work in a in a job where you're in the public and you're working with kids and you've got parents in a community and they don't necessarily want to know that stuff about you. You right. can't you can't put that stuff out there. And I'm able to defend it and say, Well, I work in central office. I'm just surrounded by paperwork all day long. I, do do think of that being a classroom teacher. Do, people, do your students follow you online, and do they know what's going on? <laughs>
1: um, <clears throat> they're, they're in high school. Uh, there are a handful who I think follow me on Twitter, um, and a handful on, on Instagram, uh, on my, my school accounts. But I, I don't know. There are kids who come and, and open up to me here and there. Um, I don't think it's based on that I think it's just based on our, our connection in class. Um, there have been times with certain classes that I have told them about some of you know just that, that I've had issues with depression and that if they if they have then you know it's it's good to talk to a counselor, good to talk to somebody with professional training but that I I will never turn them away. Yeah. You know, and just within the last two weeks, uh, uh, a kid who I didn't know um, felt like he could open up to me. uh, Stopped in one day and was just like, you know, I need somebody to talk to, and I can't think of anybody else who won't like turn me away. And so we. I sort of left class on autopilot and we talked for a bit and, uh, and and it was, it was a good, it was a good experience. And I don't know if it was me being open that led him to come and talk to me or if just he, I don't know, he, he knew that he could talk to somebody and, and I'm, I'm, I feel fortunate or feel blessed or feel whatever that I am able to be that for some kid. Yeah. And I, I hope that throughout their school day, that every kid has some sort of an adult in the building that they feel that way about, even though I know I know there aren't. You know, and if, if it's not me, I hope it's another teacher or a custodian or a secretary in the front office or an administrator. It's like that. they're, sometimes I think we're so like, oh, it's all about teachers, because that's what I am, but, there are so many people and, and everybody in that building is there because they, they love kids. They want, they want what's best for kids. And it's just trying to find those ways to, to reach them and let them know that you are also a person.
0: Yeah. And, and it is, it's this, it's a balancing act. It really is because you, you can't just, you know, put all of your stuff out there when knowing that they're kids, because they are kids. Right. Um, yeah. but one of the, the things, and I, I don't know if this is intentional on your part or not, but, you know, you're, you're the play like a pirate guy. You've got all kinds of If people go to your website and they will see all kinds of protocols and all kinds of things that they can do in their class so that kids can play and right. demonstrate understanding and learning. But um, one of the things I just recently did was I took a lot of your, your activities for kids mm-hmm. and did them with all the teachers in my, in my school district at the mm-hmm. start of the school year. And um, we did it to try to get to know each other. And in a different way, and it was so powerful. The conversations that were coming, as as teachers were designing their own action figures, the action figure that would describe themselves, or using Lego to create something that's important to them, or just taking a lot of your activities that you use at times to assess um, historical figures or whatever, but doing it in a way where uh, teachers were able to connect and open up about themselves that we're now going to be able to relate on a real level that i think that's what that's what play does is it Mm -hmm. lets people put their guards down it lets them just be open and allows them to open up so i don't know if you you intentionally do that just to help kids get their guards down because i think you have this gift of getting inside of people's heads in a good way (laughs) and and kind of Uh tooling around a little bit and trying to see what's really in there do you see that as something that that's a gift of
1: yours i i don't know if it's a gift um I, I do think it's something that I can see in people. And and I think that I think play does reach a lot of people. And 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 then there there are people, there are students and there are adults who are like, you know, just give me the information. I would really rather just do it. But I say the majority of, of people, it's like if there is another way to do it, it's like they, they do it. They let their guard down. That they're like, you know, this reminds me of when I was a kid. I can I can open up a little bit about this in a safe way, in a safe space, um, and whether they're doing it as part of a classroom assignment or a kind of get-to-know-you thing, where where they get to talk about themselves a little bit. I think in either of those instances, they're going to that they're going to feel something, and and they're going to, and it's gonna they're gonna feel something positive, you know. Like if if I have to be saddled with some sort of label, if it associates me with Lego and rubber duckies and uh, action figures and Muppets. It's like, there are worse things to be associated with. Right. right? True story. You, you uh, yeah. It's not like, oh, that guy cut me off in traffic. I hate him. It's like, oh, he cut me off in traffic, but his license plate says Kermit. So.
0: <laughs> right. Can't be that bad. It was just crazy. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm not messing with him either way. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, now, there, there might be some people that are tuning in right now. That are hearing all this and they might be having a thought that this is way across the line because of the two things one you're, you're encouraging kids or adults to just play in school mm-hmm. B, you're talking about a bunch of stuff that we're not paid to talk about and it's extremely uncomfortable just mm-hmm. open the book teach the book teach the curriculum assess at the end of the year and get it done that's what teachers are supposed to do and mm-hmm. it's because we get all meddled in all this other stuff that just makes it impossible to get through anything anymore and makes the job so hard. I mean, how, how do you mm-hmm. respond to that? I, see, I, I can see in your face <laughs> what you're thinking, but to tell us what, what, what goes through your head.
1: Um, I, first of all, I, I love assessment. I love knowing what my students know and what they don't know and what I still have to teach them. I love. Um, I, I'm a believer in, in some parts of standardized testing. It's like, I, I think it's really important to find out where, where your kids are at. And, uh, and if I have, if, if we get like test scores back and I haven't taught my kids anything, then I feel like I'm not a good teacher. I might've entertained them. I might've had a safe, comfortable space for them, but I haven't taught them. And, and to me, I am getting paid to be a teacher and that, that is really, that, that's my priority. Mm-hmm. But aside from the history, everything else in my day is to create uh, a safe space, a place where students feel loved, a space where they feel safe expressing their own opinions, which might disagree with mine, uh, a space where they are able to have have a little bit of time with friends now and then it's like okay so while we are designing this Funko Pop together like I'm using my hands and my mind to do this but I can also have a conversation with my friends about something that's important to me
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I have two sons who are they're a sophomore and a and a senior this year and the stresses they have at school are immense and I think teenagers, partially social media, but partially helicopter parenting and partially all the stressors we had in our lives when we were in high school, mm-hmm. it's like they, they have a lot on their plates. And sometimes I think their teachers are like, my 90 minutes of your high school day are the most important part of your life. Mm-hmm. And they're not. And they shouldn't be. If my history class is the most important part of your day, that's a sad day right <laughs> you need to I think teachers sometimes we need to step back and see it's not all about us,
2: yeah, you know
1: it's it's like my curriculum is important and it's super important, and I love my curriculum, but I'm there to teach children and if they aren't in an environment where they feel like they're safe and are able to learn and their social emotional learning is supported, um, then th- they're not going to learn as much, they're not going to learn as fast, they're not going to retain it, their stress levels are going to be elevated. It's like, yes, you can say all the research says just do your damn job and teach, but all the research also says the students need to feel supported and safe. And I think there are a lot of different ways to do that. And teachers, like some teachers are awesome. I like greeting the kids at the door and a smile and a high five every day. And I'm like, I don't like touching kids, which sounds weird. But anyway, it sounded worse <laughs> if I said it the other way. But like, I don't have the coordination for high fives and like fist bumps. I would end up hitting somebody. I, but, but they, they know that they're welcome there and they know that I love them, and they know that I'm going to tease them, and they know that they can tease me back up until a point. And that's the point where you're like, okay, we're done here. Let's, let's go back to the 13th Amendment. Okay, there we go. But yeah, so I, no, I, I agree with the people that say that, that, that that is what I'm being paid to do. But I think that the most effective way for me to do that is to engage them with humor and with some pop culture and with some things that are relevant to them that will let them let their guards down so that I can get some history in there.
0: That's good. Yeah, you know, you said a lot in there, um, but it comes down to that that relationship piece. And you you talked about like the high fives and the fist bumps at the door and, and that stuff is all great for people. But I think it's important for people to remember that If you do it just because somebody else is doing it, basically all you're doing now is following the next script. You know, it's somebody else has told you to do it. Now you're going to do it. You still have to be true to you. Um, if you you are into the high fives and fist bumps and hugs, go for it, go all in, but you gotta be true to who you are because a relationship is two ways. You, You have to be true to who you are in front of the kids and whoever you're with. And you also have to open them up to be real to you. And you talk about pop culture and things being relevant to them. Um, how do you stay in tune with what's relevant? Because a lot of you, how many of your kids know who Kermit is before <laughs> you
1: introduce it? They, they know who he is, but they're like, Oh, my parents love that. Or my, you know, my great grandpa liked the Muppet show. It's like, sure. um, I, part of it, honestly, there are some things that I go to my, to my sons and I'm like, what's, uh, what's, Fortnite, Let's, which was all last year. It's not. It's no longer relevant. But, like, I, I i pay attention. I mean, right now my sons are in high school, so I pay attention to what they're doing and what they're interested in. But also, it, so so because of that, it's like one kid yesterday, the other day had a like a Fort, not a Fortnite, Overwatch backpack, which is another video game that my sons have been playing, and. uh so because I knew what they had been playing, I was able to talk to him about like, you know, what's his favorite character that he likes to play. And I'm like, oh, I actually know that one. And like, we, we were able to talk about stuff like that. Um, I am interested in a lot of the same pop culture things. Um, you know, like I I can have a conversation with anybody about any superhero movie and, and um, yeah, so I, but it has to be stuff I'm genuinely interested in. Like if it's their music, they can talk to another teacher about their music because I don't care. And I tell them that, you know, I'm like, mm, I'm not, not interested in your terrible music. And then they're like, oh, Rollins. It's true. But you're real. Go get me some food. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So good. So good.
0: I mean, we, we covered a lot. And I feel like we went down some, some rabbit trails and came back out. And um, I Over time I left, I got a whole script of things I, I wanted to get to. And some things, most of it we did. Um, but I guess the, the last thing I, I want to hit on, and it's going to feel like a, a 180, but I think it's an important piece to all of this. Yep. Um, two important things that are related. Um, one, you're a male teacher. Two, you're a male who's talked about depression and a mental health. Um, concerns and um, typically in America we talk about how um, white males are privileged and we yeah. have lots of advantages. But I would argue in both of those regards, being a teacher and being someone who is opened up to to mental health concerns and struggles, um, there are some definite stigmas attached. Mm-hmm. Um, do do you recognize those do you feel those if so what's your response to it
1: um i i do and i don't it uh at the time when i was finally diagnosed with mental illness issues and, and it yeah, we don't it even gave problem, it, you know that's that's another thing like what what is it you know it, yeah i mean it so So I had been genuinely suffering for a long time. And the people around me knew that something wasn't right. Uh, Finding out what it was and finding out, you know, it's it's a brain chemistry thing. It's not me being flawed as a person. It is that I have some brain chemistry that's pretty effed up and I need some medication. But the medication is there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes... You know, trial and error trying to find the one that's that's right for you. but for a lot of people there's there is some good that there's some help out there and uh, and by the time that came along, I was suffering so much that it uh, it was either um, I watch as everything around me falls apart and I uh, die or i uh take some medication and admit that there are some that I have an illness and uh and I can move forward and it I guess it took me a few years to to accept that to the point where I could be open about it in public, like I was with friends and family and uh my dog hmm. but um but like on, on social media and stuff. You know i'm I'm more likely to talk about it now. I'm more likely to um, speak up for other people who are who are in that situation. I'm more likely to reach out to a student who I think is going through some stuff because they they, they go through hard things and uh, a lot harder things than I ever had to as a kid. Um, but I think some of the hard things I'm going through as an adult help me understand some of that um and then the the
2: other part i mean i don't know i i think being
1: like being a white uh male teacher being a male teacher In 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 utah there there is there is some some stigma to that it's like why like that, that that was one of the challenges in uh, deciding to become a teacher because it's like, don't you want to take care of your family? Don't you want to like be a businessman or, you know, a lawyer or something? It's like, no, I, I don't because I've done pieces of those things and I hated it and I didn't like the people around me. And uh, I'd rather, you know, do something I believe in and uh, really want to do and I guess for both of those things, it comes down to um, my happiness is important. And uh, I I think we all sacrifice a lot for other people, but there are times when um, you have to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is going to help your mental health more. It's going to help your students more. It's going to help your own offspring. Mm-hmm. more those kids you made that time like it's going to help them you're going to be better at everything you do if you take care of yourself and just yeah but doing that without being selfish yeah so that's kind of a balancing act so yeah,
0: yeah and convincing yourself that what you're doing is not selfish um, mm-hmm. that's, that's a struggle it really is it you know Oh, um, uh, all all I can say to you right now is, um, thank you. (laughs) This is, um, this is a conversation that personally I needed. Um, you know, I I was, I was craving having this conversation just, um, as, as a, as a man, having somebody else to be able to reach out to and really talk to, um, and it's one thing, you know, you can text people and people send you the little the hearts and say I got you, I got your back and all that kind right. of stuff. But yeah. um just being to <laughs> talk to a real person is it's powerful. And I, I'm really, really, really hoping that um all the people out there are gonna hear pieces of this and just latch on to it and um and it, it can have some powerful change um take place in their lives you know as teachers we're about changing destinies we're about changing mm-hmm. generations and um i'm i'm believing right now that this conversation is not just going to help kids there's a lot in here that's going to help kids just in terms mm-hmm. of profession. but i'm a firm believer that a lot of what was said today is going to change generations to come just because of the adults that hear it and uh take some action to to help themselves out as well so so I, I appreciate your honesty, your transparency, <laughs> um, just your, your willingness to, you know, when I reached out to you and said, Hey, you want to talk to us? You're like, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. It's, um, without hesitation, no, no begging. It was just, yeah. I appreciate that. That's, that's awesome.
1: No, I think it's, I think it's important. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm clearly not a professional, almost anything. Cause I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a teacher, <laughs> but I, uh, Yeah, I mean, there there's help out there. I think is, is was the important takeaway for me. And uh, you know, I did medication first, and then it wasn't until this last January that I did any talk therapy. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, I don't have issues. I just have you know my Mm -hmm. chemical imbalance. But it turns out sometimes you need to talk about stuff.
0: Right. So and and as a guy, that's the part I hate the most. (laughs) Hate it. Hate it. I hate talking. Mm -hmm. I hate it. Yep. I love like if I've got a, a, a platform, I just want to go out there and like just uh, show people how smart I am and how brilliant I am. But when I've got to start talking through stuff and feelings and all that, right. uh, I hate, hate, hate it. Well, and,
1: and I think we're, we're raised, I think men are raised to uh, bury their feelings. At least that's how I was raised. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the end of a Pixar movie, I would feel an emotion. But other than that, it's like, why – why bother with feelings you know so but it's uh yeah and then once you know kind of like this it's like once the therapist opened me up it's like he's like okay our hour's up i'm like no i'm still talking so (laughs) you're my person (laughs) yeah yeah that's awesome yeah Uh,
0: but again thank you thank you so much you're um, welcome thank you uh, i have a feeling this is going to open up doors for people so i'm just going to encourage people to look you up um I, look up your website number one to just get to see some of those activities and who who you are as, as a teacher um look up your book play like a pirate you are all all over the place and then start following <laughs> you on social media um because yeah. you you are a funny dude <laughs> um, i am a
1: funny funny dude
0: yeah. you are you're a funny dude um, i am and you are um venturing into the political waters a little bit here and I, I like it. You are willing to say what you're thinking and we uh, always do it in a comical way though. So even if people from mm-hmm. disagree, they, they still have to chuckle a little bit. So um, I encourage people just to check you out on, on social media and become a cyber stalker um, <laughs> from a distance. Um, and uh, yeah, just follow, follow Quinn Rollins. Cause he's, he's an awesome dude. So anything nice. else you want to say before we wrap it up here?
1: I don't think so. I, I, I appreciate this. I this is I think this is a good conversation that I think some people don't have somebody to have the conversation with. Conversation. So yeah, hope hope it will help some people. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks again, man. I, I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you did, feel free to keep listening by subscribing right now to The Lasting Learning Podcast and get new episodes as soon as they're released. Interested in knowing more about me, Dave Schmidto? Well, feel free to find out what makes me tick by reading one of my books, Bold Humility, or It's Like Riding a Bike. Feel free to check them both out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or directly on my website, Schmidto.net. That's S C H M I T T O U.net.